So Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 34. Jesus said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or, or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. And even more, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Jesus also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces corn, first the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the corn is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet, when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. This is God's word. Let me pray for us before we look at this passage together. Father God, we are told that your word, the Bible, is living and active, that we hear you, the living God of the universe, our maker and saviour, speak to us personally as it is read and preached. And so we ask, Father, that you would give us uh, listening ears, that we would come prepared to want to hear what you want to say to us, that we may have our hearts and our lives transformed by you. And we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, we're continuing our series in the Gospel of Mark, uh, one of the very first eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus Christ. And in today's passage, it is a, it's an encouraging one for us uh, today, as Jesus gives us three uh, parables, uh, a parable about a lamp on a stand, uh, a parable about a growing seed, and a parable about a mustard seed. And he tells it to his disciples back then, and he speaks it to us today to encourage us to keep listening to Jesus Christ and to keep sharing the message of Jesus Christ with others. An encouraging message for us today. And if you're anything like me, we need encouragement. Because following Jesus Christ can be hard. Um, it's easy to become discouraged in our walk with the Lord. Um, it could be that for some here, you are the only Christian in your workplace. And you know, your other colleagues sort of scoff at you slightly for being a Christian. It could be you are only one of two or three Christians living in your student hall, uh, living on your estate, and you think to yourself, like, why don't more people believe in Jesus? I mean, it's meant to be good news, the greatest news of all, so why don't more people believe? Perhaps you have seen um, some close friends, Christian friends, fall away from Jesus, as we saw in the parable of the sower last week. And so you think to yourself, my goodness, now what if that happens to me? What if I'm not the good soil? What if I'm the seed sown on the path or in the rocky places or in the thorns? What do I do then? Perhaps you're someone here looking into Christian things 
and you're, you know, getting excited about Jesus and what it might mean to follow him. But at the same time, you look at the church in this country, it's declining, the media mocking, and you're numbing and ahhing, and like, is it really worth it to follow Jesus Christ today? Wherever we're coming from, we need encouragement to start with Jesus, to keep going with Jesus, and he gives us that encouragement for us today. Now, here's the question. How does a lamp and some growing seed and a mustard seed encourage us in that way? Well, let's take a look. We'll look at them one by one. First, the lamp and the openness of God's kingdom. Verse 21 on page 1006, if you've closed your Bibles. Jesus said to them, that is his disciples, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, does anyone here keep their lamp, their side light, under their bed at home in their flat? Does anyone do that? No, okay? Not unless you've lost something, you're trying to find it right under your bed. A light is there to shine, um, to help you to see. And so it is with Jesus Christ. God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world as a lamp to help us see the truth about God. God is not hiding things from us. God is not hiding himself from us. He is shining the light of Jesus so we could know him and have relationship with him. And it's vital for the disciples to get this just as it's vital for us to get it today particularly if you've been following us in our series so far in the Gospel of Mark, have you noticed how Jesus has actually been hiding his identity? So back in chapter 1, do you remember? He drives out these demons, and he, tells, he silences them because they knew who he was. Jesus healing the leper, an incredible miracle, but he gives the leper a strong warning not to tell anyone about what Jesus had done. And if you were here last week, why is Jesus teaching in parables? Do you remember? Verse 11, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they may turn and be forgiven. Now, hang on a sec, Jesus. Why are you doing that? Because that does seem very elusive and exclusive and secretive. And why you go around hiding your identity? Is God hiding himself for us today? No, Jesus says. We need to take the second half of chapter 4 with the first half of chapter 4. And in the second half here, Jesus says in verse 22, No, whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. There is a very good reason why Jesus is hiding his identity at this stage of his ministry. (coughs) And that is because the Jewish leaders, chapter 3, verse 6, are plotting to kill him. And if Jesus continues to speak or starts to speak plainly about who he is, they would very quickly put him to death. But Jesus is in charge of when he goes to the cross and goes to his death. Jesus first needs to prepare his disciples, teach his disciples. Jesus, first of all, has to do the work God has given him to do. That is why Jesus is hiding his identity at this point in his ministry. But as soon as it was right for him to go to the cross, he is very plain about who he is, very clear 
about what he has come to do because he longs for all people to be known and loved by God, to have their sins forgiven, to be brought back into relationship with him, to be a part of the kingdom of God. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Please do you see there is no secret message in Christianity. There is no hidden truths. There is no mystery which has not now been revealed. Do you have ears? You can hear about it. There is no barrier, no hidden truth, no mystery. All is disclosed. Everything is out in the open. Never think that God is hiding himself from you. There was a time when Jesus was hiding his, his identity for a while. That time is over. Jesus has paid for sin on the cross. Jesus has risen to new life. There is no secret. Everyone needs to know about him, the lamp, the revelation of God himself, the openness of God's kingdom. And so if you are a Christian here today, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, be encouraged to keep on sharing the message of Jesus with others. Because Jesus Christ has come for others. He has come for all people. There is no one that God is hiding himself from. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's make sure our friends, our colleagues, our neighbours get the opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ for themselves so they can be known by God, so they can have their sins forgiven, so they can be part of the kingdom of God too. And here is an encouragement for us to keep on listening to Jesus ourselves. He is the lamp. He's the revelation of God. He is the one who helps us to see the things about God. Everything has been disclosed. It's out in the open. Let's come to him. There's a wonderful promise in verses 24 to 25. The more you listen to Jesus, the more will be given to you. The more you will grow. Now, there are many voices out there today. The voice of culture, the voice of parents, the voice of friends, the voice of your own feelings. But there is only one voice you can ultimately trust. And that is the voice of Jesus Christ. The lamp God has sent. Keep listening to him. Keep shaping your life by his word. And you can be sure you are good soil and much fruit will come through it. And here is an encouragement also for anyone here who might think that God is hiding himself from them. Because at times it can feel like that. At times it can feel, God, are you there? He feels so distant or we feel far from him. It can feel like God is hidden. And I don't doubt the strength of those feelings if you have them. But please, please remember the lamp. Remember this parable. Remember this encouragement that Jesus is giving us. All is brought out in the open. God is holding nothing back. God hides himself from no one. He doesn't hide himself from you. Look to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come back to Jesus. Come back to him in his word. If you're ever in a sermon, you think, my goodness, that feels like it's written just for me. My goodness, that particular bit, I needed to hear that. That is God speaking to you. He is not distant. He is here. He is with you. As you go through this week, if you are struggling with this, take a light in your room, in the middle of your room, on the ceiling, every time you're on your bike, and the light as the clocks have gone back and it's dark, when you're driving the car, think light, think Jesus, he is with you, he is not distant. The openness of God's kingdom. 
And that's just the first encouragement. That's just the first parable. We've got two more to go. The second one, the parable of the growing seed. Jesus showing us, encouraging us with how the kingdom of God grows. Verse 26. Jesus also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or get up, gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces corn, first the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the corn is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. In other words, how does God's kingdom grow? Well, there are two parts of it, two parts to this. And the first part is it always begins by planting seeds. A man scatters the seed. How did God's kingdom grow? First of all, seed needs to be planted. If you were here last week, you were, week last, if you were here last week, you will know from the parable of the sower, where Jesus says to understand all parables, you need to get this first parable. He clearly said that the seed is the word of God. That is what is being scattered here, God's word, the truth about Jesus. Come chapter 6 in Mark's gospel, Jesus will send out the disciples two by two precisely to do that, to preach the word about him, to share Jesus with others. In other words, this is about you and I and the incredible responsibility we have to share the message about Jesus with others. Can I ask, are you doing that? Are you praying for that? There is no point in the farmer preparing the soil, plowing the field, watering it, getting rid of the weeds, if he doesn't actually get round to planting the seed. And at the end of the day, there is no point us loving others, befriending others, demonstrating a godly life before others, if ultimately we do not plant the seed of God's word in that person's life by telling them about Jesus, who he is and what he has come to do. We must plant the seed. If we want to see God's kingdom grow in our workplaces, our estates, our student halls, we must plant the seed. Secondly, how God's kingdom grows. And most importantly, because this is where Jesus puts the emphasis in the parable, it is God who provides the growth. Verse 27, night and day, whether this man sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. There is a great mystery in the germination of a seed. I've really enjoyed preparing this sermon this week because I've got to read up all about seeds and reading horticultural websites and farming blogs and all the rest of it because I was ignorant on this stuff. I even came across a scholarly article from, in case you're interested, Plant Science, Volume 179, Issue 6, December 2010, pages 574 to 581. Do you know what this was entitled? It was entitled Germination, Still a Mystery. We do not know how seeds germinate in the soil, when they do, how they do, how to provide the best environment for them to do it. They do it all by themselves. That's what Jesus says in the next verse, 28. All by itself, the soil produces corn. So it is with the word of God. There is an inner dynamic, there is an inner power, there is a life all by itself in the word of God. Do you know that? This book, the Bible, it is alive. The writer to the Hebrews says, 
The word of God is living and active. There is a power in God's word, such as the Apostle Paul says to the church in Rome, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. And that is how someone ultimately has the reign and rule of God come into their hearts and have their lives transformed. We plant the seed, but God causes it to grow. Which means we can trust him with the results. Martin Luther, the 16th century monk, whose gospel preaching changed the course of European history, said this of his ministry. We should preach the word, but the results must be left solely to God's good pleasure. I opposed indulgences and all the papists, but never with force. I simply taught, preached, and wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And while I slept or drank Wittenberg beer with my friends Philip and Amsdorf, the word so greatly weakened the papacy that no prince or emperor ever inflicted such losses upon it. I did nothing. The word did everything. Now, don't mishear Luther's quote. He did do something. He preached God's word. And he prayed for God to be at work in, in that word. He's saying, once I preach, though, I leave the results in God's hand. Because the power is in God's word, to do God's work, to change people's lives, to even change the course of history. Where is your confidence where it comes to your friend, your colleague, your neighbour to become a Christian, to put their faith in Jesus Christ? Is it in God's word? Can I read the Bible with you? I find this so encouraging. I don't know about you, because if the, the growth of God's kingdom was ultimately all down to us, I would force it upon people. You've got to believe. I would be tempted to dig up the soil to see what's happening with the seed if I don't see any fruit or anything for a moment. Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you still believe? Is it all okay? Tell me. Try to get inside. I'd be tempted to tamper with the message if it wasn't being received properly. Maybe we need to twist it, change it, cut out the difficult bits, make it more palatable for modern ears. And if people weren't becoming Christian, I'd be tempted to blame myself and think, I'm just no good at this. But the power is in God's word. He is the one that causes the seed to grow. It's so liberating to know that. Yes, we plant the seed. Yes, we pray. We can leave the results in God's hand. And you know what? Sometimes those results take time. When you plant a seed, it doesn't like sprout up and grow straight away, does it? And yet we tell someone about Jesus and we expect them to become a Christian there and then. I mean, that can happen. Very rarely does. It takes time. God knows best. We can trust him with it. I was told about Jesus growing up at church. Many a time. It wasn't until I was 22 that the light switched on, the seed germinated. And who knows, for your friend, your colleague, your neighbour, your mum, your dad. Who knows, if someone will call up this week and say, yep, I want to come to church. Yep, you know what, I do want to come to that guest service next week. Pray, plant the seed, leave the result with God. As long as we are planting the seeds of his word, we can be confident that some of those seeds are going to grow even if we can't see it right now. That is the encouragement of this second parable. But there's one more. We have the parable of the mustard seed. 
And this is about the size of God's kingdom and actually just how much it grows. Verse 30. Again, Jesus said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth, yet when planted it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Now, a couple of fact fact checks on this. Fact checks. Um, Some of you may know, as I now do, having been researching this this week, that the mustard seed is not the smallest seed on earth. It is the orchid seed, 0.05 millimetres, like a little dust in your your hand. Um, So has Jesus got it wrong here? No, he hasn't. Um, What he's doing here is not comparing um, the mustard seed with all the seeds on earth, but specifically the seeds that first century Palestinian farmers would plant in the ground. That's why he says in verse 32, Um, yet when planted. And we do know that the mustard seed was the smallest seed that farmers did plant in the ground. Second fact check is that some people say a mustard seed can't grow as hot as big to allow birds to perch in its shade, but a quick Google search will tell you that the black mustard seed, which is the seed that the farmers planted, can grow up to a height of 10 feet, which has got plenty of room for one bird's nest or two. So, We're okay. Jesus knows what he's talking about here, okay? But what is he saying about the kingdom of God through it? He is saying, look how much it grows. It starts as this small, tiny, weak, pathetic seed and ends up as the largest of all garden plants. Now, that reference to birds perching in its shade is probably a reference back to Daniel chapter 4 and all earthly kingdoms, Nebuchadnezzar, and the way God brought all these kingdoms down. But here is one kingdom that will never be brought down. God's kingdom, full of all Christian believers. Now, what an encouragement this would have been to these 12 disciples. There were just 12 of them. As Jesus dies, rises, goes back to heaven, and there they are to spread and share the message about Jesus before the might of Rome, before the Jewish establishment that just killed Jesus. How are we going to survive? How are we going to grow with these huge, strong cultural pressures upon them? And yet we know from history what happened. AD 70, Jerusalem fell. AD 476, the Roman Empire fell. And from those 12 disciples, or 11 after Judas Iscariot goes, to 120 at Pentecost, 33 AD, to 100 million at 300 AD, to over 2.3 billion followers of Jesus Christ today. Kingdoms rise and fall. The kingdom of God lasts forever. It is growing, it is growing, it is growing. It will continue to grow today. But I thought the church in this country was in decline. I thought there are more and more atheists now. Look, there is a decline in this country, in the UK at the moment. But if you look into the detail of it, often that is a decline in Christian nominalism, um, actual genuine Um, Christian faith, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ is staying very steady, growing, not much, but in line with um, the growth of the population at large. But you look at Christianity across the world at large, 
including South America, including Africa, including Asia. The growth is extraordinary and continues that way. Consider that in 1900, there were fewer than 9 million Christians in Africa. Just 9 million. Today, in 2018, there are just under 600 million. And that is more than any other continent in the world now. Latin America, 597 million. Europe, still 550 million. That's the International Bulletin of Mission Research. Do you know where Christianity is growing at the fastest rate right now in the world? In Iran. A growth of 20% according to Operation World in 2017. Now look, people often talk about wanting to be the right side of history. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? If you are trusting in him, if you are listening to his voice, if you are letting his word shape your life, you're not just on the right side of history. You are on the right side of eternity. Western atheism, secular liberalism, cultural Marxism. You may feel really weak, really pathetic, really small. You may feel these huge cultural pressures forcing in upon you. But no less so than for the disciples back then. And look what happened, and it will happen with us too. Kingdoms rise. Kingdoms fall. The kingdom of God lasts forever. So here are three parables, three encouragements from Jesus to keep going with him, to keep listening to him in his, in his word, to keep sharing him with others. And if you're someone here who's still not put their faith in Jesus Christ, can I urge you to do that today? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much indeed for these three parables from straight from the lips of Jesus, three encouragements as we see Jesus as this lamp you set into the world because you are not hiding from any of us. You want us to know you, to have relationship with you, to follow you today. Thank you for the parable of the growing seed. Thank you for your power at work in our lives and in the world. Help us, us to be liberated um, from worrying about the results. Help us to plant the seed and trust you with it. And thank you too for the parable of the mustard seed and the way already where we stand today in 2018. We can see already the truth of this parable. Give us confidence that this really will be the case going forward. And would you assure us, for those of us trusting you, we are part of your kingdom. And would you please move any of us not yet there to trust in you today. And we ask it all for Jesus' sake. Amen.